0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, folks are doing it again and I'm tired of it. I am. I'm really I'm tired of being tired. of it. Um, We cannot accept these media narratives that portray us as the bad guys, when in fact the real bad guys are the media people portraying us as the bad guys. They're doing it again and it's getting really gross and disgusting now. And we should not accept it. They're trying to insinuate now the left. And I'm going to get to this in the opening segment today that we're somehow the Republican Party destroying norms and responsible for the dismantling of the constitutional republic. That is colossal BS. Everything they're accusing us of, they're doing. I'm going to prove it to you and show you this just disgusting New York Times article, just typical for the left looking to destroy. Hey, look, squirrel, you know, shiny red object. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Don't let big tech spy on you online. Get a VPN today. Go to expressvpncom Bongino. Don't wait. Welcome to the Dan Bongino show. Let's get right to it. I'm going to produce evidence too that everything they're accusing us of, they're doing. Also, another article by the Washington Post proving my point from the other day. I wish I was wrong. The Democrats are getting really worried about the optics of what they're of of what they're up to with Mark Meadows and the arrests. Turns out uh, hauling people out in a chain gang like the old Soviets doesn't really look good. Let them do it, I say. Let them do it. Let's see where that uh, how that works out for you in twenty twenty two election. All right. Today's show brought to you by. All right, Joe. Let's go. No binders or fillers. Yeah. <laughs> so we got some more of that coming up next with the uh, the, the meat conglomerates too. Speaking yeah, it's going to be interesting. You saw that? Yeah, that's a good one. So they're doing it again. And uh, as I said, I'm not tired of it. I'm tired of being tired of it. Uh, the media is trying to portray the Republican Party and conservatives as doing what they're doing in an effort to distract you. A really disgusting piece came out yesterday in the New York Times trying to insinuate that the collapse of the republic is our fault. It's titled, How to Tell When Your Country is Past the Point of No Return. Well, um, if we are past the point of no return, we're at the point of no return or past it because of you, because of you and your declining credibility. I want you to think for a moment about all of the things, as a matter of fact, not opinion. As a matter of fact, the Democrats and their media ass kissers have been up to in the past few years, right? We know they colluded with foreign agents. We know that, right? Christopher Steele was, in fact, a foreign agent for the British government. He had retired at the time, but he was a foreign agent. We know they colluded with him, right? We know they colluded with him to interfere in the 2016 election. We know those are facts. Those are facts, however uncomfortable for the left-wing media. That happens. So Democrats are colluders and Democrats interfere in elections that we know. We know Democrats have a long undistinguished history of challenging any election at the national and local level that they lose. Oh, I've got a super cut of that coming up next. So the Democrats we know collude with foreign agents, we know we they interfere in elections, and we know they challenge the integrity of elections when they lose elections. So there's a three for right there. We know the Democrats have a long history of advocating for in some cases and in many cases apologizing for street violence and allowing it it to happen. Political violence too. That's a fact. Video coming up next. Receipts always attached folks. We know the Democrats also have a history of questioning the vaccine. Why do I bring that up? Because if you dare question the vaccine, you're an anti-vaxxer or some ridiculous conspiracy theorist, right? Which is strange. Because, again, there's a a, a long history of Democrats, when Donald Trump was in charge, questioning the vaccine, yet they accuse you of doing the same thing. Kind of weird, right? Again, that's a matter of fact. Fact. The fact checkers say, oh, no, no, they weren't questioning the vaccine. They were questioning Donald Trump. Bull, go back and watch what they were saying. I trust science. I don't trust Donald Trump. What were they talking about? They are talking about the vaccine. Democrats have a history of violating rules and norms. Elizabeth Warren's already talking now about packing the Supreme Court because she doesn't like decisions from the Supreme Court on abortion that haven't even happened yet. One of them, the Texas one, but that was more about procedure. Also, we know the Democrats have been ignoring protocol rules and quote norms forever. Listen, this may sound like a wonky story. I'll sum it up quickly. But it's a very disturbing story. There is the FDIC chairman, uh, they have a, a procedure for putting out new rules. One of the Biden appointees who's running the CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, has basically given the double-barreled, family-friendly middle finger to the FDIC and said, we're not doing that old process anymore. I'm taking over the FDIC, and here's what I'm going to do. Don't, uh, listen, I know you're like, oh, that's a really wonky, weird, show. no, no, no. Oh, it Believe me, oh. in D.C., it's raising a lot of, a lot of alarm bells. The guy has just hijacked, hijacked the FDIC because he wants to supervise bank mergers. The Democrats are doing this. I say screw them. We're going to call them out. Here, from the New York Times piece, notice how, now that I just showed I just showed to you the facts and I'll provide the receipts in a moment, notice how the Democrats, their media ass kissers, now have to accuse us of everything they did. Here, from the New York Times piece, they're citing a couple others in the piece as well. They say, talking about Republicans, they're much less likely to be thinking about the health of basic pillars of democracy. <laughs> That's hilarious. Electoral integrity, the rule of law, the legitimacy of the opposition, and the integrity of rights. You, this, this has to be a joke. Our political system's in crisis, and we should be shouting from the rooftops about it and coming together to save it. Yeah, I agree. Save it from you, idiots. He also addresses this guy at Vox who wrote, we're experiencing failures on both the elite and mass public level, he wrote, as Republican elites have chosen to normalize the violence considered by their, uh, committed by their extreme right flank on January 6th. Normalizing violence. That is freaking hilarious. You have got to be kidding me. Oh, big time. Big time. You must be joking. Normalizing violence. Talk about projection like we've never seen before. Here, you need evidence? You should. I always produce the backup evidence. I will never leave you hanging out there. The evidence, ladies and gentlemen, is everywhere. So it's the right normalizing violence. We're doing that. I don't know anyone on the right normalizing violence. I don't, I don't know any serious, credible figure on the right normalizing violence. However, I know a whole bunch of people on the left and in the media normalizing violence. Again, I'm not only tired of this crap, I'm tired of being tired of it. The left is disgusting. They are single-handedly dismantling the republic and trying to blame us for exactly what they're doing. Don't accept it. Turn it around and stick it right in their mugs. Here you go. Here's Chris Cuomo saying, hey, peaceful protests. Yeah, by, by, by the way, that is in the Constitution, but he doesn't know that. Uh, he, Chris isn't that smart. You know, the whole Bill of Rights thing escaped him. He's supposed to be a lawyer. He's not supposed to be much now. He doesn't have a job. But here's Chris Cuomo asking, where does it say uh, protests have to be peaceful? Well, in the Constitution, but he hasn't read that. Check this out. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Well, it says that in the Constitution, but don't let that get in the way. But remember, it's us. It's us, Republicans, normalizing violence. You ever heard me say that, by the way? Have you ever heard me on my show? I, I challenge a leftist to say these words that, yeah, your protest shouldn't be peaceful. It should be violent. Have you ever have you ever heard me say that? Never. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You've been with me from episode one. Never yeah, I never said that. Never. Matter of fact, I've been the one decrying violence for a very, very long time because once you go down that road, there's no turning back. And a lot of people on the left and anywhere on the political spectrum calling for violence, sadly, many of them have never experienced violence up close and personal. Once you go down that road, there's no turning back. That's a river when you cross, there's no going back in the other direction without drowning. We're the ones questioning elections and questioning process. You sure about that? Here's a super cut. I think this is a Gravian one, hat tip by uh, Tom Elliott. Here's a long history of Democrats. These cuts are a little bit longer today, over a minute, but they're important because again, I'm proving to you the point, proving to you with hard evidence that it's the left that's dismantling norms and leading to the destruction of the Republic. It's not us. Here are Democrats ranging from Hillary Clinton to Al Gore, to Maxine Waters, to a whole bunch of them questioning basically every election in the last 20 decades, uh, twenty excuse me, 20 years, two decades, my math, that was liberal math, that they've lost. Here, check this out. We won that election. Al Gore won the election. Al Gore was elected president of the United States. Right. This wasn't counted. You know it. I know it. They know it. We won that election! There is overwhelming evidence that George W. Bush did not win this election. Do you think Republicans stole that election? In 2000? Uh I wish the United States Supreme Court had let them finish counting the votes. The Supreme Court denied the actual and accurate counting of the votes of Florida. If Katherine Harris, Jeb Bush, Jim Baker, and the Supreme Court hadn't tampered with the results... Al Gore would be president. An election has been stolen, robbed. It wasn't a fair process. It wasn't a neutral process. It was a process that was rigged against us. We actually won the last presidential election, folks. They stole the last presidential election. As we look at our election system, I think it's fair to say that there are many legitimate questions about its accuracy, About its integrity. How are you going to keep it from us being able to be in a position where you can manipulate the machines, manipulate the records? In Virginia, when I was governor, I had to replace all the machines. Too many voters have cast votes on machines that jam or malfunction or suck the votes without a trace. You need to watch that video. If you're listening on audio, please go to rumble.com slash Bongino and watch that video. You see, that was Barack Obama at the end. I ended with him on purpose. That cut, by the way, goes on for about another 40 seconds. I just didn't want to bore you to death with two to five minutes of democrats questioning elections. One quick note on that as well. While there's a certain irony in the 2020 election and a lot of the shenanigans with mass mail-in voting and the coronavirus pandemic and a number of things that should have been questioned, the 20 uh the uh, the 2000 election for president, the Gore v Bush election, there is zero evidence whatsoever, zero that Al Gore won that election. Zero. And if you doubt me, the only question you ever need to ask your kooky liberal friends when they say, well, Gore won the election against Bush, say, please show to me, show me, any evidence ever of any recount in Florida, there were a number of them that started and stopped, of one recount total where Gore was ever ahead in Florida, I'll wait. They won't find one. Because there was never, do you hear me? This is really important you understand this. Because in light of what we're discussing now in 2020, where there were known issues with the election, mass mail-in balloting for the first time, we get that. You question that, you're a conspiracy theorist, you can kiss my ass. We will talk about whatever we want. You're citing an election in 2000, which is a total conspiracy theory, your theory you won. There was never, I repeat, never a single recount, not one in Florida, not one where Al Gore was ahead, not one, not one. There are liberals who still don't know that, but they still think Gore won. You want to talk about a crazy conspiracy theory? Whereas I acknowledge it's hard to prove a counterfactual about 2020, it's hard. I'm telling you for a fact in 2000 Gore lost. And Democrats still make. They think Stacey Abrams the governor of uh, of Georgia. Here's another one. So Republicans are the ones who condone violence? Really? Do you listen to this show? Do you listen to people on Fox? When does that have, you're just, you're making that up. Not only are you making it up that we condone violence. It's you who are the grotesque advocates for violence. You have covered for it. You have apologized for it. You, you should doubt everything you said, on every everything on this show. You should fact check yourself. I encourage it because it'll only increase my credibility with you. Here's the evidence. Here's another supercut of legions of Democrats condoning and openly advocating for violence. New York Times must have missed this one. Check this out. I, I I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless when they go low, we kick How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? Biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murderers. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. And you well, would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said if we were in high school, I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of them. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still gonna have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look, as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes' booth when you need him? That's it right there, pulling up. I have thought! anywhere and sadly the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our constitution are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue they're not going to stop before election day in November and they're not going to stop after election day and that should be everyone should take note of that on both levels that this is not they're not going to let up and they should not want to know why the new york times is saying the country's reaching the point of no return maybe you should ask the democrats I mean, the evidence is right in front of your face. You just quickly before I move on, you know, Brett Stevens had an, uh, an op-ed, and I think it was the New York Times. He's a big never-Trumper, but claims to be a Republican, whatever. But Brett Stevens brought up a good point, that uh, Joe Biden is finished. Joe Biden is finished, and Joe Biden should announce right now that he is not running for office again. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy, it, you talk about being beyond the point of no return. This presidency is over. It is over. The man has lost all credibility with the American people. It is over. They are the party that caused us to reach the point in no overturn, And the evidence is right there in front of you. All right, um, let me move on. <coughs> Excuse me, let me get to my second sponsor. And I want to get to this story because I had warned you a couple of days ago that the Democrats were going to realize soon. That their threats to arrest and jail everyone who didn't cooperate with their unconstitutional, immoral, unethical, uh, disgusting, tyrannical January 6th committee. There's there's nothing to do with January 6th at all. That they were going to find themselves in a real problem. You really want to be walking people out in handcuffs like the Soviet Union, putting people in jail who are trying to cooperate with you? I got an article backing up my point right now. Hey, the holidays are coming up. We're an Omaha Steaks household. There's nothing better than firing up that grill on a nice chilly day. Going outside, it's nice and warm. You see the smoke coming off. And you know what you slap on that grill? Some Omaha Steaks. Burgers, some Omaha Steaks. Steaks, their filet mignons, the bacon-wrapped filet mignons, absolutely delicious. Follow it up with one of their great desserts. The holidays are here. Finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it super easy for you to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter Bongino in the search bar, and you'll save over 50% when you order the perfect gift package and order it today. For $99.99, you'll get the delicious butcher's cut top sirloins, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use code Bongino, you'll not only save over 50%, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. Don't forget, you'll get eight free burgers when entering the code Bongino in the search bar. And if you're a new customer ordering for the first time, enter Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O at checkout to get $20 off select packages. Achieve gifting greatness. Be a legend today with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. Big fans in the Bongino household. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword Bongino, omahasteaks.com, keyword Bongino. (coughs) Excuse me, okay. I, the, I promise I'm on the last rows of this thing. So I had warned you over the last few shows that the Democrats were going to have an issue. They are trying to, uh, they are trying to coerce and intimidate people into cooperating with this January 6th committee that is not interested in January 6th at all, but is interested in the 2022 midterm elections. It's like a super PAC to get more Democrats elected. So a number of people, including Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows, when they figured out what was going on and that these congressional subpoenas they're issuing have no legislative intent at all, and that they're trying to usurp the powers of law enforcement, which Congress does not have. Meadows and Bannon said, we're not cooperating. So they said, well, we got an idea, despite the fact that very few people have ever been jailed for uh, not complying with a congressional subpoena. Just ask Lois Lerner of the IRS and Eric Holder, former attorney general under Obama, who said, hey, Go blank yourself. I'm not responding to this congressional subpoena. What happened to them? Nothing. They became celebrities overnight on the left. But they decided now it would be a good idea. The horrendous attorney general, Merrick Garland, who has no dignity or ethics at all. They decided it would be a good idea to use the DOJ to go and lock people up. So they put Bannon on and locked up Steve Bannon. Now they're going after the president's former chief of staff and a former congressman, Mark Meadows. Well, the Washington Post is starting to realize what I said the other day, that they've got a real problem, the Democrats, now. The article's by Matt Zapatosky in the Washington Post. Meadows' referral creates new legal and political challenges for Garland and the DOJ. (laughs) You know, if the left only watched this show, they would have known this far in advance. What did I tell you the other day? There's no endgame here. More and more people are going to start ignoring these subpoenas, as they realize they are unconstitutional, unethical, and immoral, and this has nothing to do with January 6th. And what are they gonna do? They're gonna put everyone in jail? Those pictures are gonna look great before an election. So here's what the Washington Post had to say about it. This is the classic dilemma someone finds themselves in when they do and they have the cho- they have a choice between bad and worse. The post says if prosecutors charge Meadows for failing to comply with a subpoena from the committee investigating the January 6th breach of the Capitol, they could risk undermining the ability of the executive branch to keep officials' discussions private. More on that in a second. Including in future administrations. They could also face Republican allegations that they're abandoning precedent to unfairly target a political poll. The verdict is in. The Dan Bongino show called it again. Yep. (laughs) Did I not? Here's the problem they have now, folks. Now that they decided to use a heavy hand and practice Gestapo like tactics, right? We're going to lock you up. You don't testify in front of us. Despite no precedent for locking people up in the past for ignoring congressional subpoenas, right? On one hand, if they let Meadows and Bannon ignore the subpoena, everyone else is going to ignore the subpoena too. On the other hand, if they lock them up and do these heavy handed things and don't try to do what a normal, sensible committee would do, Joe, which would be to try and work with these people yeah. and do it ethically. Hey, listen, we're looking into this. We need some stuff. Can you help us out? That's not what this committee's interested at all in. This committee is only interested in humiliating Republicans before the 2022 election. So Meadows and Bannon are like pound sand. So the problem they have now is if they don't enforce the subpoena. More people, when they realize what's up, are going to ignore the congressional subpoenas in the January 6th committee. But if they enforce the subpoena and Mark Meadows, who was Trump's former chief of staff, is forced to give up all this information, then, oh, that's right. President Biden's current chief of staff, Ron Klain, when they lose the next election in 2022 and the Republicans take over the chair spots, can subpoena Ron Klain and rely on the precedent that this committee set and get the information about Biden, too? Oh, oh. That one might sting. You didn't think that through, did you? Mm. Also, they're concerned second about, uh, again, not to beat a dead horse, but the optics of what it looks like locking up a bunch of Republicans before an election. This is how dumb the Democrats are, including their new uh, their new member, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Liz Cheney, new Democrat. Welcomed her openly to the Democrat Party. Find themselves in a really bad spot. Should have listened to the show. Maybe they wouldn't be so stupid all the time. All they had to do was handle their business honestly and ethically. Say, hey, we're concerned about what happened to the security situation at the Capitol. We're looking for some information. We'd be really helpful. if you... That's not what they were interested in at all. They wanted to embarrass people. And now because they're tyrannical a-holes, now they find themselves in a really bad spot. They find a situation picking between bad and worse by the way, speaking of this, bar none, the most unethical member of Congress. You remember, hey, Shifty. Yeah. Remember we had the hey, Shifty shirts? Shifty. We haven't brought up Shifty in a while. Um, Adam Schiff, the biggest sleazeball in Congress, bar none, um, and I mean it, the most unethical member of Congress. There are dumber members of Congress. Um, there are members of Congress who are more power hungry, but there is not a more unethical member of Congress who has zero attachment to ethics at all than Adam Schiff. The man is is widely acknowledged, ask any member of Congress with a beer in them who the most unethical member of Congress is. And 99% of them will tell you by far Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff got caught again. again. I mean, how many times is this guy going to get busted lying, lying about the whistleblower contacts, lying about the Schiff memo during collusion, lying about the transcript. Lying about the text. He got caught again. Here's video of Adam Schiff at this January 6th commission the other day. He claims to be reading a text from Jim Jordan to Mark Meadows, which he implies is demanding that Mike Pence, uh, um, I'm not support the electors in the uh, certification, right? Just listen to Schiff talk about it and listen to him read the text as if it's a word for word text. It says lawmaker to Mark Meadows, the lawmaker is Jim Jordan. But I want you to listen to this because he got busted lying yet again. Check this out. We could cue the first graphic. This one reads, on January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as president of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. You can see why this is so critical to ask Mr. Meadows about about a lawmaker suggesting that the former vice president simply throw out votes that he unilaterally deems unconstitutional in order to overturn a presidential election and subvert the will of the American people. Well, what's the problem with that text he's reading? <laughs> well, it's Adam Schiff. Problem is, that's not the text. Problem is, he inserted punctuation. He deleted things to make it seem like one continuous thought from Jim Jordan to Mark Meadows talking about what Mike Pence should do. But that's not what that was. So what really happened in the text? Well, if you want to read the whole story, because it's very detailed, it's in The Federalist, an article by the great Sean Davis. You can read it also. I have the article linked at bongino.com newsletter. You can follow my newsletter. I will send you these articles every day. Um, thank you for doing that, by the way. We're at uh, quite a few hundreds of thousands of subscribers there to the newsletter. Here's the article. During January 6th hearing, Adam Schiff doctored a text message between Mark Meadows and Rep. Jim Jordan. So they say in the statement you just heard and the on-screen graphic, if you're watching Rumble, you saw it. They put up a little mock-up of the text. Schiff erased the final two paragraphs and the final clause of the first paragraph of the text message before inserting punctuation that was never there, all without disclosing what he was doing. The graphic displayed by Schiff, which was doctored to look like an exact screenshot, was similarly doctored as it contained content that was never in the original message and eliminated content that was. This guy is just un... I mean... Yep. Embellishment, five <laughs> yards. Oh, is that the whistle? Yeah. Oh, hold on, <laughs> we need the flag. You got it. Yeah, that's new. I haven't heard that one before. Joe's-, Joe's doing his own thing. He's a renegade today. Okay, what is it? Embellishment, five yards. Five yards. <laughs> Repeat first down. The guy, I know that's the holding side. What would embellishment be? Uh, uh, hold on. Em- embellishment. <laughs> gotta think of a new one. Yeah. Embellishment, five yards, <laughs> repeat first down. <laughs> he whistle. The guy is a nut. He is the most unethical member of Congress. That was not the text. That was not the text. How is this guy? even on kook networks like MSNBC and CNN, where the nuts are, the, the nuts, the moonbat lunatics. How is this guy still accepted and allowed on your network? How? He never tells the truth about anything. You doubt me? Here's the evidence. Shifts. Uh, I have this titled, "Shift's Legion of Lies. Who keeps, and by the way, to the liberals who keep voting for this guy, how do you keep falling for this? How? I mean, really, aren't you a little embarrassed? The guy's clowning you. Remember this? You know what? Before I get to it, let me get to my third sponsor. I want to get this. Here's what I got coming. His legion of lies. I want to show you a video of, of Schiff doing the same thing again, creating a fake transcript saying, well, this is the essence of what he said when it wasn't what Trump said, and then getting caught with the whistleblower and then getting caught with his memo. But again, keep it up, libs. Keep having this guy on MSNBC. He's perfect with Russia, Rachel. I mean, neither one of them has any attachment to the truth. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere in a go bag. Anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to four hundred dollars, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the world made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Okay, uh, getting back to it. Here was, remember the uh, fake uh, impeachment hearing? Here was Adam Schiff. He gets up there at the impeachment hearing. Remember the phone call with uh, Zelensky, the Ukrainian president? So Schiff gets up there and he says, hey, I'm going to read the essence of what the transcript of the call was. The essence? Keep in mind, I want you to know what he's reading here is a total, complete fabrication and is entirely made up This is not none of this is in the phone call between Donald Trump and Zelensky. But in order to get around fabricating it and just outright lying, he goes, oh, no, no, I was trying to get to what the essence of what they said, although it's not at all what they said here. Check this out is the essence of what the president communicates. We've been very good to your country. Very good. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better listen good. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent understand lots of it. On this and on that, I'm going to put you in touch with people and not just any people. I'm going to put you in touch with Attorney General of the United States, my Attorney General, Bill Barr. He's got the whole weight of the American law enforcement behind him. And I'm going to put you in touch with Rudy. You're going to love him. Trust me. <laughs> Folks, that none of that is in the Trump call with Ukraine. None of it. He just made it up. You the essence. And when he was humiliated and mocked just about everywhere, he had to do some kind of damage control. There's more, Schiff. Uh, I mean, the guy has zero, zero credibility. Zero. It's the credibility of a shell game The hoaxer in Times Square in the 1980s. Remember this? Ariel Davidson, the Federalist? Schiff lies yet again. Remember when he claimed to not know who the whistleblower was in the Ukraine case? Despite the fact that the whistleblower had already met with with his office? I don't know. I don't know who he is. I don't know nothing. Sergeant Schultz, though. Remember that? (laughs) You may say, well, that's a lot of lies with Adam Schiff. No, no, there's more. Remember the Schiff memo? Remember the Schiff memo about the collusion case, which was all a lie? Federalist Molly Hemingway. The IG report confirms Adam Schiff's FISA memo that the media praised was riddled with lies. The whole thing was a scam. This guy is a zero. He is bar none the most unethical member of Congress. And I only bring this up because anytime he speaks, I strongly, in order for you to avoid embarrassment, even on the left, I strongly encourage you to wait 24 to 72 hours and apply the Bongino rule. I can almost guarantee you anything Adam Schiff says is a lie or fabricated because he's disgusting and he has no ethics and only morons fall for this stuff. Okay. Uh, moving on. I got a lot to get to today. So, uh, Twitter, speaking of morons, so Twitter's got a new CEO and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> New CEO, worse than the old CEO. Another thing we warned you about uh, on this show was that uh, all the celebration when Jack Dorsey stepped down as CEO at Twitter, I said, was a bad idea because the guy they're putting in charge is even worse. And now he's proving it. So Twitter thought it would be a good idea, as you can see by this article in the Post Millennial. Twitter thought it was a good idea to put out initially that they were going to start banning people for saying, quote, False or misleading claims that people who've received the vaccine can spread or shed the virus or symptoms or immunity to unvaccinated people. What was the problem with their original version of what they were going to ban people for? Well, the problem, folks, is that the CDC has already acknowledged, as well as every single credible scientist and epidemiologist in America, that the vaccinated can in fact acquire the disease and can in fact spread it. So when Twitter again, like Schiff, was, mildly, was widely mocked and laughed at for being Pravda-like propagandist, they changed it to an even more ridiculous thing. If you can make sense out of this, I'd love to hear it. They later changed their guidance to read, false or misleading claims that people who've received the vaccine can spread or shed the vaccine? You're shedding the vaccine. <laughs> That's what they're going to... Uh, what? Just to be clear, you get a vaccine and you're shedding the vaccine like a, what, a chameleon? That, what, what are the things that your sh- snake that sheds its skin? How does that work? This is how stupid Twitter's gotten. I guess they panicked because they were being laughed at by, again, every credible person on their platform. So they changed it to something that makes even less sense. They're going to label those posts as misleading. I'm going to label uh, Twitter's terms of services misleading because no one knows what the hell they're talking about. To page Aruski today. Hey, by the way, Guy will kill me if I don't mention it. Questions for tomorrow's podcast. The post is already up on Locals. I am on the Locals. You can download the Locals app, common spelling, or go to Locals.com. I'm at D. Bongino on Locals. We have some great content there. A lot of it's subscriber only. Some of it isn't. But if you'd like to post a question for tomorrow's show, just comment on the post that says questions for tomorrow's podcast. Or you can comment on any uh, of the podcasts on Rumble and uh, we will take your questions tomorrow. I've really been enjoying that segment. I appreciate your thought, well thought out questions. They're very uh they're they really tell me where your head's at and I appreciate it. Okay, uh, moving on. So the uh, Media Research Center put out their list. Uh, they, you know, this is the time of the year. You know, Joe, the, you've been in radio a long time. Yeah. The end of the year is the time for what? Listicles, right? Lists. Yes. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's got a everybody's list. Got Top 10 morons of the year. You know, greatest sports moments of the year. I mean, this is the It's the list. They call them listicles. Uh, this is the listicle time of the year. So the Media Research Center does the best one. They put out this piece of video audio here. Uh, for the those listening on audio only, there's a little bit of silence between this. I didn't play the whole thing. They have the most biased media hits of the year award. They had the top three, first runner up, second runner up, and the winner. I just included like the winner and the top two runners. It's about a minute. It's not that long. But uh, these are their nominees for most biased media appearances of the year. And none of it should surprise you. It's CNN and MSNBC. Check this out. Though there was less loss of life on January 6th. January 6th was worse than 9-11. Those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool. I look, it's like almost uh, extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. It was a moment where the new president came to town and sort of convened the country in this moment of remembrance, uh, outstretching his arms. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. You voted for the person who the alt-right supports. That's the crowd that you are in. <laughs> so oh. their winner is Don Lemon. If you voted for Trump, you're a Nazi Klan member. Uh, okay, it's kind of a bold statement to make, but that's Don Lemon, of course. Don Lemon, who texted Juicy uh, Smollier, uh Juicy, to warn him about the cops being onto him. Same Don Lemon. He's got a ton of credibility. Then you had Matthew Dowd in the beginning saying that uh, January 6th was worse worse than 9-11. Matthew Dowd with the, uh, what did he run for lieutenant governor of Texas for about seven days and had a out because everybody laughed at him. And then we had the thing in the middle, of CNN suggesting that these points of light were like Joe Biden taking over the world as a godlike messianic figure. Light, there's light everywhere. It's ev- I mean, good job. I'm, if you want to watch the whole thing, the Media Research Center—it's an extended cut. They have a third-place finisher in Joy Reid. Um, It's—it's pretty good. But this is the time of the year for listicles, and you know, appropriate to put that out the Most Bias Awards. All right, moving on to a very serious topic. Terrence Jeffrey over at CNS News, I can't encourage you in strong enough terms to follow his work. There is nobody on top of the current financial situation of the United States like Terrence Jeffrey. He writes at cnsnews.com. I include his pieces often up on Gino Report, my uh, a conservative alternative to Drudge Report, and in my newsletter. And I want you to read this one because sometimes the national debt figures approaching $30 trillion are so big and large and enormous in scale that it's really hard for people to figure out. It, the numbers are so big, it's impossible to figure out at a, at a granular level how it impacts them. Terrence Jeffrey has this piece up. I really need you to read. The headline says it all. The federal debt now equals about $287,000 per income tax paying household. Folks, I I need you to th- Think about that for a moment. We have spent so much money we don't have that every income tax-paying household in the United States, this money's owed, it's owed by us. We are the United States, is probably more than the net worth of a large large swath of America, including everything, cars, vehicles, retirement accounts. Think about this. There are people whose homes that haven't even paid off yet aren't even worth $287,000. Yet that's what you owe. Now, complaining about the problem without telling you what could happen is irrelevant. I mean, you know, highlighting an issue you know is an issue is 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 not going to help you. I get the question a lot on email. Well, what happens next, Dan? If every income tax paying household in America owes money they can't possibly pay, imagine if they asked you for that check tomorrow. Hey, government owes two hundred eighty seven thousand. Pay up tomorrow. of people would be like, what are you, nuts? I don't have that kind of cash laying around. But you owe it. Oh, I assure you it's real, and you owe it. So what happens going forward? Well, you could argue about adding more things, but I'll highlight three things that are likely. Number one, inflation will monetize the debt. In other words, inflation, which will raise the prices for everything you're doing right now to exponential levels, will devalue the currency and also devalue the debt. So you'll essentially go bankrupt via inflation. You'll go bankrupt and the country will go bankrupt. Second, we will eventually default. It won't be a formal default because we can always print money, but it'll be a de facto default. And that we'll pay people back the money we owe them, the $287,000 per household. You'll pay it back, but we'll pay it back in dollars that are worthless because we've inflated them away. Essentially meaning you lent us money and we gave you back crap. Remember, bad money always chases out good money. always. Or third, there could be, piece of good news, a massive technological breakthrough. I've said it many times: cure for cancer, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, some blockchain technology that crosses over somewhere else, some energy technology that could lead to a massive productivity boom that would make the United States more able. To pay it off. And with some basic spending controls, we could find ourselves in a not so bad place. It's a possibility. It's a long shot, but it still is. The problem is we'd have to get some spending controls too and some productivity enhancements, and we're not doing any of it. But I don't see any other way out of it, folks. None. We're in really bad shape. All right, I'm gonna get to my last sponsor. I want to get to a story about podcasts. Listen, it's kind of wonky to me. I love podcasts. We were Joe and I were one of the first movers in this space. There was Corolla, then there was Ben Shapiro and Crowder. And then it was us. I mean, there were almost no conservative podcasts around. Not a lot of them. We got started. So I want to uh, put this article up for you, showing you how podcasts are now taking over everywhere. And when it's, I want to tell you what it means, because it means something for the content production space business. Okay, this is an interesting article. I, I hope you find it as fascinating as I did, because it talks about not just podcast, like, ah, podcast, podcast, listen to your podcast. Why do I need to know the technicalities behind it? Because it's not about podcasts. It's about the fragmentation of the media market and the disappearance of the middleman. I'll get to that in a second. This article will be in my newsletter today. It's by Media Post, Tony Silber. It's called Engagement with Podcasts Increases and Continues to Grow. It talks about how more than half of listeners are increasing their podcast time of consuming podcasts. And not only that, they found that 52% increased the time listening and consumption of podcasts has increased more than most other media in the past six months, especially when compared to other audio-based media. In other words, folks, podcast consumers now are listening more, and they're listening more is taking away from other mediums, radio, TV, and elsewhere. Now, why does this matter? I never talk about stories I don't have some color to add to. Well, having been one of the originals in the podcast space and proud to have been one. It speaks to the power in business of Porter's Five Forces. You know, Porter's Five Forces, one is to be a first mover. If you're ever in business, you want to be a first mover. You want to think of the idea first. You want to move first. It's very hard to overcome the power of a first mover. The Adam Carollas and the Ben Shapiros who started early, they got the audience when the consumers didn't have a lot of choices. You want to be a first mover. That's number one. So there's a business lesson here. You know, if there's only three or four choices, you want to be one of those three or four choices. Do you want to be one of three or four choices or one of 20 choices? You want to be one of three or four. Be a first mover always. Second, this growth in podcasting is empowering individual creators, people like me, like Crowder, like Shapiro. It's empowering us and it's enabling us to dump the middlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, in the past, I have a radio show, I have a TV show, but candidly, you know, 25, 30 years ago, and Joe, you'd be a valuable asset. Joe's been in the radio business almost as long as I've been alive. Like, Joe, well, not that long, but a long time. Trust me, the terrestrial radio business. Yeah. In the past, before Joe and I started podcasts, so he's seen it all. In the past, you could probably attest to this. If you wanted to reach a mass audience, you had to either have Rush Limbaugh's show or Levin or Hannity, or you had to be on the nightly news, or you had to have a cable news show. Yeah. That was really it. Otherwise, it was like local radio and that was it. Right? I mean, that was the environment, correct? Yeah. You had a middleman, yeah. in other words. The middlemen were yeah, and you'd buy time for the yeah, exactly. Man. Exactly. The middlemen were what we would call like program directors and EPs and executive producers who would, you know, make you a guest on a show or whatever. Folks, the middlemen, the power of the middlemen is now almost completely gone. You have people like Joe Rogan, Tim Poole. Steven Crowder, me, Ben Shapiro, who our collective audiences are larger than cable news channels. They're, believe me when I tell you, which again, Joe and Geek are both veterans. There's no middleman here. The show is me, Joe, Geek, Justin, and Paula. That's the show. There's no middleman. There's no one telling us what to do. Nothing. Decreasing the power of the middleman is a big deal. You're going to see more Tim Pools and Crowders and Shapiros. But here's the but, kind of on my first topic here. I hope I'm not boring you to death with this. I just find this fascinating. <laughs> it's going to make getting noticed in the future more expensive for individuals, meaning you'll have a shot you didn't have in the past because you weren't going to get the nightly news and you're not going to get Rush Limbaugh's show in the past. You had to go through the middleman and not firing Limbaugh, God rest his soul, for, for us. He was the best, okay? The problem is, even though you have access to the podcast market, anyone can put a podcast on a, on iTunes or Spotify, anyone. The problem, and I've had this conversation with a number of friends in the space, is getting noticed now that there are quite literally tens of thousands of podcasts per year yep. popping onto the market. And at a minimum, thousands of conservative and liberty-based con- uh, 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 podcasts. I've said to even friends of mine who have huge followings and they can vouch for me here. I said, guy, Joey Bag of Donuts, I know you got 2 million Twitter followers or 5 million Facebook. I said, I'm telling you, this is a tough business to crack into. It's it's tough. People have limited space on their podcast shelf. It's a tough bit. You're going to have to spend millions in ad revenue. That's the only downside. Or you got to strike it rich from day one of content that's so amazing. It goes viral from day one, which is hard. Well. You do a show every day, it's tough. Well, to produce and we viral did it for such a long time for absolutely nothing, you and I. Remember? I mean no no oh, yeah. yeah. Years. Joe, we didn't spend, if you remember, we did not spend a dollar, a dollar on marketing the show mm-hmm. until about two years ago, three years ago. That was yeah, it. We never I, spent yeah. it. it just and because the content was good and there were really no competitors out there. That's how we built right now. It's the second largest conservative podcast in America behind uh, Ben Shapiro. So we thank you for that. It's going to get tough to be recognized in the future, though. Okay, folks. So yesterday I did a segment on inflation and how the White House was trying to blame big meat. I got a ton of feedback. People saying, oh, there is a thing such as big meat. Listen, I'm not the <laughs> big meat. This sounds like some kind of disgusting big point. Meat. Big meat. You got big meat. Yeah. But that's what they, like they big meat. Like that's their thing. Big meat. Listen, folks. I am not suggesting to you here, by the way, is a Washington Examiner article how Biden's attacking the big meatsters to mean, Big meat did it. Big meat did it. Everybody's laughing in the studio. This is hilarious. Big meat. I get it. There's concentration in the in the meat market. This segment's going to go off the rails quickly in the meat market with big meatsters. Nobody's saying there's not that there's not a certain concentration in the market that maybe competition wouldn't help. That's not the point. People, I got, I got people out west. They, Dan, you saying big meat doesn't exist? No, I'm sure big meat exists. <laughs> Everything's big. That I get it. That's not my point. You missed the point. My point is that don't fall for the stunt the White House is playing, trying to blame the countrywide inflation crisis in meat and cars and housing and rent. They're trying to, and people are falling for. Oh yeah, it is big meat did it. So Jim, producer Jim from the radio show. He got a hold of this secret audio. It's just devastating. It's um the big meatsters. He I don't know how he got a hold of this. I don't know. He's got this way of just finding stuff. And it's the big meatsters colluding and Biden may have been right, colluding to cause a mass countrywide inflation crisis. This is a very troubling audio. Check this out, the big meatsters. I want to thank all the members of the five families of big meat for attending this meeting. From Big Beef, we've got Johnny Ribeye. From Big Chicken, Tommy Two Eggs. From Big Pork, Vinny the Snout. Alright, come down, Vinny. From Big Lamb, Joey Mutton Chops. And finally from Big Turkey, Polly the Beard. We've come together today. To set lot differences and to sabotage meat prices that go so high that Joe Biden takes the rap. So I, I, I take back what I said. Obviously, Biden had this evidence as well of the big meatsters in the meat market talking about the big meat colluding effort. So. Biden, you're, I mean, we, we apologize to Jen Psaki. They must have that video, too. Very troubling stuff about big meat. Of course, big meat. Uh, are, is big meat causing the $3,500 more per household that uh, people are going to pay next year due to inflation? Yeah, I doubt it. My point, folks, is not to deny there's a market concentration issue and that competition is a good thing. It should be. That's not what I was saying. Don't misinterpret it. What I am saying, and we're doing through humor here, is don't fall for the trick here. They know... That there is some concentration in the meat market and these big four producers existed, but they've existed for decades now. The inflation crisis now clearly isn't due to just that. And it's a distraction mechanism. Don't fall for it. Biden just doesn't want to take the blame for what he did. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget your questions for tomorrow's show. Also, please set your DVR for my show unfiltered on Fox Saturday night at 10. I've got a very positive opening monologue. I've been doing a lot of dour opening monologues. I've got a positive one that'll make you feel good. It covers some negative stories, but I take the silver lining at them. I think you're going to want to see it. Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Set your DVR unfiltered on Fox News. I appreciate it. I'll see you all on the radio later. You just heard Dan Bongino.